suing Seattle because the Chaz Chop made them sleepless and also profitless. Attorneys Patty Eeks and Angelo Calfo for the class action of plaintiffs join us. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, everyone. We've got another Suing the Government episode for you. This time, it's a class action against the city of Seattle for its actions on behalf of, and also its inactions against the occupying protest known as the Chaz or CHOP, depending on when you tuned into the saga. But before we get to that, we want to thank our sponsor, the NBI, the National Business Institute. Attorneys have trusted NBI with their CLE needs for more than 35 years. Visit nbi-sems.com today and find out why. And also, don't forget to use that promo code LegalTalkNBI to get $100 off your next CLE course. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Patty and Angela. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you. Doing great. Thanks, Lawrence. Well, just a little bit of a wind up. I know there's some listeners out there that may not be super familiar with the Chaz Chop. And so basically what this is, here's a quick summary. So there's some protests obviously stemming out of the killing of George Floyd by the Minneapolis police that found their way out to Seattle. And these protests got particularly heated between the protesters and the Seattle Police Department. At some point during the protest on June 8th, the city of Seattle made a controversial decision to abandon and then surrender the police department's eastern precinct, which was immediately overrun by protesters afterwards. And this, of course, ushered in a nearly month-long occupation of Seattle's Capitol Hill area by protesters which became known as the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or CHAZ for short. Later on, this occupation would be rebranded as the Capitol Hill Organized Protest, or CHOP. And during this occupation, which kept the police out of the area, there were two homicides, four people shot, 65 robberies, and a multitude of assaults and property damage within that area. And obviously, for those who live, work, and run businesses in Capitol Hill, Seattle, this is a very difficult time. And that's what our show today is all about. So, Patty and Angela, you filed this class action lawsuit against the city of Seattle on behalf of your clients. So can you tell us about them? Like, It's a variety of plaintiffs, but just tell us who they are. Sure. We represent businesses that operate in the CHOP as well as uh, people who live in the CHOP might either be renters or property owners, also property managers who are managing the businesses in the various buildings there. So really everybody that kind of uh, shows up to work or live in the CHOP is our, our clients in this matter. There are different types of businesses. Some of them are very small businesses, like a small physical therapy business that was having difficulty with their patients being able to get to them. Uh, we also represent a company called Cartenders, which uh, had an experience in which somebody broke into their property, ended up assaulting the owner and his son, and wasn't able to get law enforcement to respond to the call. And as a result, they basically had a mob of people come over from the chop, threatened to harm them and their business if they didn't release the person who had broken in. So those are the kinds of people. We also are, excuse me, the kinds of people that we represent. We also represent uh, a company that is a manufacturer in that area that has about 70 employees. Well, let me just ask a quick follow-up on that. How are your clients doing? I know that, uh, you know, COVID-19, you know, businesses are just starting to get going again. And then all of a sudden they have this occupation, which, uh, you know, kept, you know, business out. You know, customers maybe don't want to go into the chop. Uh, they couldn't get deliveries. People had a hard time getting to and from their place. So how are your clients doing? I think our clients are optimistic right now, at least the area is being taken back. Obviously, that was a big move last week for them. They feel safer. Their businesses are starting to at least be able to reopen somewhat. It remains to be seen whether or not there'll be you know, substantial commerce that returns to the area. But I think they're hopeful that uh, things will kind of uh, return to 
semi pre-COVID normal, I guess. You know, I read your complaint, you know, very detailed timeline. And uh, one of the things that I noticed was not there was that it di- you didn't seem to be bringing the Chaz Chop protesters or any organization that supported that group into the lawsuit as a defendant. What was the strategic decision behind that? Well, you know, Lawrence, I, I don't know if it was altogether strategic, but it might have been more driven by the fact that these are civil rights claims primarily. And their underpinning of those claims is that there were a, there was a constitutional violation in denying our clients the right to you know their property without uh, you know and having due process of law, and there's the concept in constitutional law of state action. In other words, you know it has to be a state actor that causes you the deprivation of your constitutional rights in order for there to be a, a cause of action. So here that state action is the city, and it's the city who is endorsing the activities of these private individuals who are known as the CHOP occupants. And it was that endorsement that led to the civil rights action. It's that endorsement that led to the deprivation of their property, the inability to access our client's property, the lack of emergency services that were made available to them. They couldn't get a 911 response to their neighborhood. And so that's the primary reason. I I guess I'd add that from our client's perspective, you know, this lawsuit isn't about the protesters themselves. And there are a lot of strains of people that were occupying the CHOP in this time frame. but the, the clients support what led to the protests, namely, you know, the horror of seeing that video of George Floyd die. And the clients want to make clear and have made clear in their lawsuit that the met that the lawsuit isn't about that message. They aren't here to dispute that message. They support it. But the lawsuit is about the city's actions in endorsing basically the occupancy of this area by third parties who were, you know, to the exclusion of the city providing basic services, such as 911 services, emergency medical services, and the like. That's why we didn't name them. That's interesting. That's very interesting. You know, it's just uh, counterintuitive to me. You know, I obviously uh, don't disagree with the notion of suing the city for services not provided and sort of in a way aiding and abetting uh, the occupation of a part of town that uh, you reside in. But uh, it's interesting to me that the, the people that directly causing the harm, the people that are looting and robbing, that they just weren't brought in on uh, some some other part of that lawsuit. Well, we've all heard the expression that you can't sue City Hall. So would you mind telling me about your choice to file the lawsuit in the United States District Court for the Western District of Washington? Sure. As Angelo just mentioned, these are federal civil rights claims. And so the proper jurisdiction for those claims is in the U.S. District Court in this area, which happens to be the Western District of Washington. So really, it was just a question of the types of claims that we decided to pursue that they were best uh, suited for a federal court action. All right. Well, let's get to your case. So there's several causes of action as to why the city of Seattle is liable to your clients. So can you walk us through those? There's five causes of action. Three of them are constitutional civil rights claims that are based in the due process clause. So, I mean, we all have heard, you know, the government can't take your property without due process of law. And that's the thrust of these claims. One strain of the claims has to do with what we call procedural due process. What our clients are saying there is, hey, look, you've blocked access to our streets. Uh, You've blocked access to our residences. And we didn't get a chance to, you know, come in and say, hey, we don't, we're not really happy about this. We like to present our side of the story. 
and so that was there was no notice or an opportunity to be heard by our clients before the city tried you know took these drastic measures to basically seed 12 city blocks to other people and so that's what our procedural due process claim is and on that score it's noteworthy that there were no permits issued for this activity or no hearing or the like so uh, the other side of it would be what we'd call a substantive due process claim so that's basically not the procedural side of this, but the actual taking of the property and the obstruction, either partial or total obstruction of access to property. And that's a a substantive right not to have your property taken away from the government. And that's the basis of the two other constitutional claims. One styled as a civil rights claim for violation of substantive due process. Uh, One is framed as what we call a taking government taking the property without due process of law. There's also two other claims. One of them is a nuisance claim under state law for which we only sought injunctive relief. And that's basically that the, you know, the city created this public nuisance by yielding the property to an unknown group, you know, basically a a large strain of individuals that were causing property damage. There was noise in the area all through the night. Some of the residents that we Representing the class have complained about, you know, firecrackers going off all night into the four, you know, into like four in the morning, um, the inability to access the streets and the like. So those are the nuisance, that's a nuisance claim. And then the final claim is what we, there's a specific statute under Washington law, part of the constitution actually, that prohibits the government from making an unlawful gift to somebody. And I think the theory here is that the city essentially yielded and gave Cal Anderson Park, which was part of the CHOP, to the occupants there, to the exclusion, really, of people who would otherwise enjoy the property, and that that was a violation of Washington state law and constitution. What type of redress or damages are your clients seeking at this point? Well, when we filed the lawsuit, we sought two different types of damages. One is injunctive relief, which at this point, you know, we're not intending to move forward on, which would have asked the court to basically order the city to do certain things, uh, including uh, responding to 911 calls from our clients or anybody in the CHOP who is making a call to for emergency services. And then the second type of uh, redress we're seeking is just damages, economic damages. And so that would cover things like the massive amount of graffiti uh, to repair uh, the buildings and the exterior and the damage that's been done, the broken windows, as well as claims for things like the business interruption, the fact that businesses were shut down, that they weren't able to be accessed, and damages associated um, with those things. Now that the city of Seattle has finally taken back the uh, the Chaz Chop occupied area, where does that leave your lawsuit? Well, we're going forward, Lawrence, because certainly, you know, the injunctive relief does not currently appear to be necessary. In other words, we don't need to ask a judge to clear out the chop because the city, in response to really in response to our lawsuit, is really in the days following our lawsuit and our threat of going in for a TRO that the city cleared out the chop. And so what we have left are claims for damages on behalf of the class for violation of their civil rights and for the other causes of action in our complaint. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Patty and Angelo, and thank you listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us in your favorite podcasting app. And also thank you to our sponsor for making this program possible, NBI, the National Business Institute at nbi-sems.com. Don't forget the promo code LegalTalkNBI to receive $100 off your next CLE. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Clitty. Have a great day, everybody. 